For the record, with Dan Gordon and Maya Billick on FBI Radio. Joe Khan for taking you through mornings with him over the last three hours. It's after midday. You're on For the Record, and we are going to begin by acknowledging that we are broadcasting right now from the stolen Gadigal land of the Eora Nation, and For the Record pays its respects to Elders past and present and any First Nations person listening in right now. We acknowledge the ongoing struggle of the Indigenous population in so-called Australia, and that sovereignty was never ceded. 
This week on For the Record, we're talking all about the Texas four-piece Spoon and their fourth studio album, Kill the Moonlight, which kind of serves as almost a little burning to the ground of their sound, uh, a, a phoenix rises from the flames, and for me, this album is that phoenix and kind of the kick-on point for uh, the band in their discography. My name's Maya Billick. I'm joined by Dan Gordon, and he is a very big Spoon fanboy and very excited to be going through this record with you today, as am I, because it's taken me back to the good old days, the OC, great uh, television soundtracks, but an even better album. So yeah, I th- yeah, Spoon's a weird one. I feel like they have all. I feel like they've always been constantly ahead of the curve, but also constantly underestimated mm. and undervalued they're, they're such to me such a, a trailblazing band without ever trying to be trailblazing or without ever succumbing to the pressure of it, of that but I don't know they, they kind of sit in this weird pocket um, and I guess it kind of all started with their second studio album A Series of Sneaks which was a really big deal they, uh, they were signed to uh, Electra Records and the label kind of put this really, really big backing behind them. And the album itself is this really, really cohesive, uh, almost like a masterwork at that time for them. It was like definitely the best thing that they'd put out, be it as the second record. But regardless, and it only, you know, sold a few copies. It, it kind of was a little bit of a tank, which is surprising for an album that was as critically acclaimed as a series of sneaks was, like, universally. And after four months, their A&R guy was dropped. They were dropped as a band, and they kind of had to start fresh, which at the time must have been probably pretty devastating, but I feel like it, it really kind of lit this fire under um, them as a band and probably turned them into, you know, ultimately what they have become. Mm. What a what a real turning point, really, as it would be for anyone in any band, anyone in their careers, to have that complete, I guess, one, it's a big shift in everything that you've known, two, what a, I don't want to call it a wake-up call, but what a way to really reckon with feedback. And I'm saying feedback with um, air quotes because it's... One thing to be told, like, oh, you know, something's not selling as well as it should be, but it's another thing to be not selling a lot of records dropped and the person who had promised that they were going to be with you and nurture your career and foster your talent just ditched you. Yeah, and I mean, look, this isn't the first time or last time that'll ever, that, that'll ever happen to a band, but it is it is kind of interesting. Britt Daniel was talking about it, saying that he... They are talking about the follow-up after a series of sneaks, Girls Can Tell. And he was saying that the first week that record sold, I think it was something like 1,200 copies. Mm. And he was saying that was more than a series of sneaks had sold up until that point. So it's just that, I don't know, it's just for whatever reason it wasn't clicking with the, the record-buying people. But while Kill the Moonlight isn't the direct follow-up to that incident, I feel like it is almost the... It is the creative spark that it's the creative spark that started from that moment, and I think it's them kind of really coming into their own as a band, exactly like nailing down their sound, which is like a little bit all over the place, but in 
the best possible way. They're such a like a peculiar band in that they structure their songs like quite simply, but also really intricately and difficultly and hard to hard to kind of get a grasp of. It's really kind of it's it's tough to put put into words exactly what they do. They have all this weird production going on. Well, we're going to get to that a little later, no? Yeah. We are going through an album by Spoon, Kill the Moonlight, a 2002 record. It's a brilliant one, and I think if there's one thing I think you should take away from what Dan just said is that on first glance it might be quite one, two, very easy, straight up, but there's a lot more, I guess oddities underneath the surface if you start to look through and dig a little deeper and take a few more listens through it so we're going to be going through the record here on fbi stay with us we're going to be hanging out until one text in if you want to get in touch with us 0409945945 love to hear from you hear what you think of spoon what you think of the record and anything in between but yeah we are listening to kill the moonlight by spoon this week on for the record one of in my opinion the most engaging and interesting bands in uh, making music at that point in the early 2000s. We kicked it off with Small Stakes. Now this next one, you should definitely remember early season one of the OC. Yeah, definitely uh, the, uh, probably the most well-known song, maybe by Spoon or at the very least off this record. The way we get by right here on FBI. We get high in backseat circles. We break into mobile homes. We go to sleep to shake a pill. Never wake up on our own. And that's the way we get by. So where we get by. All that's the way we get by. So where we get by. Sweet talk like a cop, you know it. You b- 
From the way we get by, you heard something to look forward to and stay, don't go. Three tracks by Spoon. If you've tuned in for the first time at midday on a Wednesday, you're listening to For the Record, a weekly album show with me, Maya Billick, and Dan Gordon. The artist is Spoon and the album is Kill the Moonlight. We've unpacked a little bit of the, I guess, humble beginnings and making of Spoon up until this point. We're going to go through the sound because we mentioned before it might come across on a very basic level as quote-unquote simple, but it's not. Yeah, I think since their beginning, Spoon have always been a band that have twisted and warped exactly what rock and roll and indie rock was at the time. Um, so it's kind of it's no real surprise that they're, while their first major release, um, a series of sneaks, flopped, even though it received widespread, you know, critical acclaim, they definitely mm. are a peculiar band to wrap your head around, especially at that point uh, when that album came out in 1998. Um, but they were always, to me, this like one of, if not the smartest bands in the room. And, you know, whether or not that's to their detriment, I think you could kind of argue either way, but they definitely are a very smart band. Yeah, and they don't try too hard either or let... They don't try too hard either, and they don't let off this air about themselves as like they are trying out all of these big fluffy elements to anything. They kind of keep you guessing a little bit. Yeah, for sure. I think that it's it's funny when whenever I think of if I think of like a if you if you don't listen to Spoon or you don't know Spoon or you want kind of like a picture, it's almost like the the sly wink after someone's robbed the bank. Yeah, you know, like that. That to me is 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 how you would picture their their music. I think that Kill the Moonlight to me is almost the best possible version of Spoon. Um, it brings all their weird songwriting and production techniques and approaches it with what their version of like pop music would and could be. Well, take something like Stay Don't Go. It's almost a little bit Laurie Anderson. Yeah. And then you have um, The Way We Get By, which is just the best, most, you know, like a good satisfying 90s indie rock song, like straight chorus, um, really irresistible chords that you can't not keep repeating, good pre-chorus, everything. Yeah, and it's interesting, like, even their songs are, like, they're, they're put together in in such, like, a backwards way, almost, of, like, mm. writing a song. They have, like, very, very little... Um, colour to them if that like but they but at the same time they don't like that like it, it it's I don't know it's it's so bizarre to me when listening to and and I was listening to this album a lot the last week in kind of like preparation to talk about this again because I you know you know how you go through phases with albums and I, I wanted to like really kind of because I've this I've been a big fan for a while and it, the variety of the album was something that kind of really struck me again yeah. is that they, they there's so much going on and it could it could almost kind of like blow out of control but it, they always tend to like reel it in at the last seconds and one of the most things well there's lots of character yeah one one of the most impressive things about the album for me or and maybe just them as a band in general i think is their use of space they're mm. really really good at creating these like little pockets for you to kind of get lost in um, and like almost like stopping the track, like almost little timestamps. Yeah. Um, you know, that could, it could just be someone 
hitting a tambourine or someone doing like a clap or Brit Daniel yelling at like letting out a little scream or something like and something as simple as that ends up becoming these little really like important facets of the song that you wait for because they're so unconventional in mm. like their approach to it and I think the best example of something like that to me is a track that we're going to listen to in a sec called Paper Tiger and it's just like menacing really sort of like eerie but but um hopeful track and it's got like just a lone um lone rim shot on the drums like almost like as a metronome throughout the whole song and then this just like little stabs of um melodic color and 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 then just Daniel kind of like telling this story over the top and it sounds really simple when you when you think about it but again the way it's put together is like so elegant that it it's kind of really breathtaking to listen to as Dan said, we're going to listen to Paper Tiger shortly, but you're absolutely right. Like, there is so much variety across this album. They add little f- flourishes that you don't realise are flourishes until you've gone back and listened to it two, three times later. Um, they add all these unique point of differences that I would go so far as to say not a lot of uh, groups or bands could really pull off and make you not realise that that's what they are. Yeah, for sure. I think, to me, Kill the Moonlight is almost like reading a really good movie script. Like, it's so expansive and goes through so many different plot points and, I don't know, I yeah, I, I think they're like a, a semi-underappreciated band um, which have, who've been really, really consistent throughout their entire career and and kind of haven't really put, like, a foot wrong, at least in my opinion. And on that, we are going into Jonathan Fisk. You're on For the Record on FBI Radio. Oh. Stay 
other The jaw of the fist, always a risk Tells me it counts my teeth every night I wanna get them all back now I wanna get them all back Now I wanna turn it around yeah. Ooh, turn it around Just wanna hold your hand, so alright Turn out the light 
something paper tiger before it and jonathan fisk at the start we are on for the record going through spoons kill the moonlight and this is a pretty meaningful album i think dan especially you can attest to something like that for what it meant uh to the band what it means to spoon fans and generally in terms of like music and production and the value it's given to i would dare say music over time. Yeah, I think like it's it's such a particular album. They're really quite there really aren't a lot of albums quite like it. Um and it's almost like a statement of intent from the bands, you know, after the probably massive come down of being dropped by a label releasing Girls Can Tell, which is like a fine album. It's just like a little bit um it pales in comparison to something like Kill the Moonlight, which is mm-hmm. is kind of so like in your face and like, all right, we're we're back as a band, and it definitely set the tone for where they were gonna go, or or where they weren't gonna go. Maybe like because I think like after after this album, they've they've kind of like toed and fro and jumped from a bunch of different um, lily pads onto different like facets of their version of music. So it's that kind of set the tone for them being, like, a a bit unpredictable. It's sort of almost reminding me a little bit, this might be a bit out there, but 
of the Wilco album that we did quite a while ago now. Mm. Um, but that same kind of, maybe not to an extent the law surrounding a record, but that being pushed as musicians to really create. Yeah, I mean, it definitely, you know, makes sense in terms of being dropped by a label and not having confidence in you, which, like, again, like I said at the start of the episode, definitely isn't the first time, isn't going to be the last time that labels get it wrong. But, um, yeah, Britt Daniel and drummer, producer um, Jim Eno, who's not related to Brian Eno, um, really, really found their feet as a band on this album, which was ultimately another U-turn for them. But maybe, maybe that's the point. Spoon seemed to to me at least to be a band that thrive on the reincarnation of their sound and style and and repurposing it to suit where their heads are at uh pretty much like no other bands would be capable of I think. We're wrapping up to the tail end of Kill the Moonlight here on for the record. We've got the last few tracks for you right here and it's called Don't Let It Get You Down. <laughs>
you got to feel it up in before all the pretty girls go to the city and the start we listen to don't let it get you down you're tuned into for the record here on fbi radio 94.5 where we've been listening to spoons kill the moonlight for the last uh, 50 minutes or so we're going to make some way for Kiki Amberber on lunch here on FBI. Check us out on Instagram at For the Record FM. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from. Just look up FBI Radio and For the Record will be right there. You can listen back to some of our past episodes. I recommend going and listening to our very special interview with um, Adrian Lenka. Get excited for her releasing some solo work as a quarantine project, or um, an interview with Maddie Healy, even our recent one with E4E. There are so many hidden gems in there, for the record, wherever you get your podcasts from. And at fbiradio.com slash programs is where you can look back at all the tracks played. We'll see you next week. We're going to leave you with the last couple of tracks of Kill the Moonlight. This track's called Back to Life. After it, we're going to listen to Vittorio E. Give Kiki a warm welcome on 0409-945-945. Thanks for texting in. See you next week. <laughs> <laughs>
other side I took a risk.